0: Wildcat Radio. welcome back wildcat faithful to the wildcat radio podcast my name is ronnie stoffel and as always i'm joined by mr adam green adam how's it going man good good and a lot better mood regarding this basketball team than the last time we did a show that's for sure yeah. So uh, all of our listeners, apologies. We, we were supposed to record last week. We ran into some scheduling conflicts, but, uh, you know, I figured I didn't, I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to jinx anything. So <laughs> right? maybe, maybe, maybe it worked out a little bit better. Here we are uh, sitting pretty after four games in conference play. We'll get to that shortly. But Adam, just for a few housekeeping items, uh, of course, Wildcat Radio podcast. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast for free through any any podcast catcher, iTunes, Google Play, etc. Uh, be sure to follow the podcast on social media at Wildcat Radio AZ is our Twitter handle. Also, check out our Facebook page, Wildcat Radio, and last but not least, our beloved website wildcatradioaz.com that is the exclusive home of all of our written content as well as these podcasts so uh, adam let's just jump into it man uh there's been you know obviously we haven't done this in a couple weeks and there's been some pretty big news aside from the four game start the four game winning streak to open pack play rather um most importantly and this is uh I think i i'm I'm a little bit more pessimistic about this I, I think than some people are just gauging just gauging the feel on Twitter but Emmanuel Acott has decided to transfer uh, abruptly decided to transfer as far as i mean you know as outsiders looking in it did uh it was pretty shocking now maybe not necessarily transfer in general right i mean i think that next next year with just the wave of talent coming in it, it's not shocking that he opted to transfer i think it's the timing of him opting to transfer uh adam how big of a deal is this for arizona this year
1: yeah i guess we'll have to see and i think you hit the nail on the head there with the fact that emmanuel a is transferring doesn't shock anybody i think you looked at the way the roster was going to be next season some of the talent coming in and it's like okay Who's going to lose their minutes? And the way ACOD was progressing, or rather not progressing, he seemed like a likely candidate. But just now, where you already started conference play, if he was going to transfer, you usually do over to the winter break, and then you can play in the next year, you know, starting the second semester. And it's like, after four straight conference wins, he's been starting. It just seems like a surprise. But, you know, he was one of those guys where I remember when he signed with Arizona and as a freshman last year, like, oh, look at that. He looks the part. Mm -hmm. He looks like that Rondé Hollis-Jefferson type of guy, and he just never was that. And so he passed the eye test as far as just his body style, but just when you watched him play, it was hard to be impressed with anything he did. So, you know, outside of his depth, you know, I guess Ryan Luther slides back in the starting lineup right now, and then you have Ira Leavesden playing a lot better off the bench. So I guess... In that regard, they are short one big now. He was playing power forward for Arizona, but at the same time, you know the Wildcats are going to be losing a lot of offense. No, the guy was averaging less than four points a game. Are they losing a lot on the boards? No, less than three rebounds a game and one assist. So I think the idea of Emmanuel cut was a lot better than the reality of Emmanuel cut, and they have to replace the reality, not the idea. And therefore, it's probably not a huge loss in general.
0: I agree that it's probably not a. Make or break loss, right? like I, I I totally get you know, the offensive game I'm with you. I mean, I think it was pretty clear, really, from the first time we saw him on the court that there was just some kind of uh, offensively, it's just I never really had hope, right? Even just from the get-go, the whole thing. Um, but what I will say with this defensive turnaround, uh, just just with the team and everything this year, i where I struggle, where I'm not exactly sure again, it remains to be seen, but I guess his absence, This go round like with this team and just all the defensive. I mean, this team is so good defensively, right? Last I checked, Ken Palm, they have us rated uh, the 25th best team defensively. I mean, that that's that's fantastic. I mean, that's incredible that they turn around that quickly. And we knew that they were going to have to do that, right? Like this team was just not that talented. Can you, get, can you kind of just get back to like the nuts and bolts of, you know, what, what a Sean Miller team would look like, right? Like that is just staunch defense. And I actually think that, you know, he, he's, he's the one guy that we had, I felt like that, that can really guard any position. Like he, he was athletic enough and quick enough to keep up with guards. And he's physical, like, you know, just, I guess, kind of uh, overpowering at times, too, uh, for other bigs, you know, maybe not necessarily like overpowering in the sense of like that he pushed them around. But like his presence, you know, like he you could I felt good putting him up against other front court players. You know, I, I never really worried. I guess the obvious candidate now to replace him in that same capacity. um, I mean, in terms of wing players would be Dylan Smith. I mean, I know Ryan Luther likely has to come back into the lineup unless you want to plug in Ira Lee, which sounds crazy. I mean, don't get me wrong. Ira Lee has done, you know, he's on the upswing now. Finally, you know, like there's been a couple, couple, three good games, whatever in a row. But um, I, I guess I just struggle with, Ryan Luther, he, he has that ability, but I feel like we still need that spark off the bench for points. And if you plug Ryan Luther in, kind of back to where we were early in the year and we just didn't really have a – the bench just had no identity. So I, I, I'm, it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing goes.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. When you mentioned, like, you had this thought that if Emmanuel Aycott was out there, whoever he was on, he could guard all these different positions. But then Dylan Smith has been Arizona's best defensive wing. You know, and that's where, like, this idea of Emmanuel Aycott was – like a Ron DeHellis Jefferson, because he looked like that out there. Like, oh, he could guard anything from point guards to power forwards. And he was adequate most of the time, but he was hardly a lockdown defender. And I think that's the most disappointing thing. And maybe, you know, he reclassified. Maybe he wasn't ready for college basketball. Maybe he doesn't take to coaching well. There's all sorts of reasons. But for whatever the reason, he just didn't quite become the player that I think a lot of people were expecting him to be. And that's why I do think Arizona's going to miss something, especially when it happens like this. If it happens for winter break, when you have a lot of time to practice and come with new ideas without him, then it's probably a little bit easier. But yeah, I mean, Arizona found out, I guess, what he told the coaches when they got back on Sunday from (laughs) their barrier trip. And whether they were expecting it or not, now they have, what, four days to kind of plan a new lineup without him. So the rotations change. And, you know, he'd been in a starting lineup for, what, four weeks now, five weeks now? So. You know, They developed this rotation, and Ryan Luther has been playing better lately, as is Ira release. so maybe just production-wise they'll be fine, but it does change the dynamic of what Arizona was. Now, perhaps if Devonair Dutrieve was going to start getting more minutes, and Dylan Smith has earned them with his defense, and I really obviously playing well, and Ryan Luther is looking like the fifth-year senior, that type of guy that he should be, then maybe Acott's minutes would have diminished anyway, and perhaps that's what he saw coming. But I just think, other than the suddenness of it, other than the surprise that happened when it did, Emmanuel you mean, know, Aikot transferring... Isn't going to be the death knell for this team. Isn't going to be the reason why this team doesn't reach its potential, whatever that may be.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm with you there. But mean, it is surprising. It did seem to come out of nowhere. It was, it was just poor timing, you know. Seems and like and it, I, yeah, yeah. So I, I who for him knows. Too. Who who knows really what happened? And, and honestly, we'll probably never know. I feel like Sean Miller kind of takes a Bill Belichick approach in terms of like, hush, hush, keep everything in house, you know. Yeah. And I can respect that. That's fine. And frankly, I don't even know if it really matters because all that really matters is that he's gone, right? Like he's, um, is, if if I understood the report correctly, right, he's going to finish out the classes this year. So like he will still be on campus at U of A, but he's not with the team. So yeah, it just sounds uh, like he quit the team. Yeah, it's really weird. It does seem bizarre,
1: and you just hope the best for him. He's a young kid, and he has potential. But, yeah, like, why do it now? If you're going to transfer, you know, this year, you do it at the winter break. You don't start the second semester playing because now he just cost himself basically all of next season, too, wherever he goes. So
0: just the timing is so odd. Yeah, it's, it's a timing, bit, but I do get it. I mean, I think that, you know, obviously Ira Lee is going to command more minutes, especially if he continues playing the way he is. Uh, the minute distribution is going to change a lot too, probably uh, just with Devonair air I mean, you, you see him slowly. I, I guess I still can't really figure out the pattern of, of his utilization yet. You know, like it's no longer garbage time. Like at the end of the games, like uh, Miller is strategically using him in different sets throughout the game. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm just still not really sure. I it, and maybe Miller is just kind of testing it out a little bit to see if they can define the role for Devin Ear But, uh, but, but I mean, I think I think all of that's foreshadowing, right? Like I think that you know, if 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 Devin Ear has to play, Ira Lee has to play. Uh, you know, who, who are you going to start taking minutes away from? And you know, also, too, I mean, Dylan Smith, right? Uh, even I mean, we, we'll get into this a little bit, a little bit uh, shortly here. But as far as like Dylan Smith and his offensive game, I just. He can drive me nuts sometimes. But, I mean, he is still a better shooter than Emmanuel Acott, right? But, so, there's a little give and take there. Like, uh, Emmanuel Acott is a better the all around defender, I would say just because of the versatility, like we said, like the positionless defender versus Dylan Smith is, is, you know, he's kind of locked in at, at the, at the wing position. But, um, yeah, and anyway, I mean, I think that's probably enough to uh, enough coverage there on the whole Manuel ACOT thing. We wish him well. Yeah. You know, obviously with the reclass, I think you said it well there, Adam, perhaps he just wasn't ready. He, perhaps he just wasn't ready. Maybe he should have stayed when we're here. We'll never know, but best of wishes to him and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be pulling for you. So. Adam, here we are sitting at 13 and four. Who would have thought, right? I mean, I certainly, I I definitely expected to. I definitely expected to take care of business uh, at home, sweep at home. Yeah, I expected that Uh, the Bay Area. I I know Cal is really bad and they proved to be pretty bad. But I guess just, you know, uh, Stanford, it's just that that always seems to be a tricky road test for some reason, you know, like um, and really there is no easy road test in pack play like ever, you know, like there's always some way or another. It seems like we either stumble or it was like way too close of a call. Um, I, I think let's let's just take like a, a bigger picture at this point. Talk about it rather than breaking down each game because now you know the Colorado game, for instance, is two weeks old. So, Adam sitting at thirteen and four, um, assuming really no big setbacks from a defensive standpoint with the absence of, uh, or I guess rather, the departure of Emmanuel Aycott. How do, how do you feel about this team now? As is, is things are, you know, slowly feels like coming together nicely.
1: Yeah, better than I did a couple of weeks ago before the first home stand. And I don't, I mean, we'll learn a lot more about the team this week or over the next two weeks, really, as they yeah. face the Oregon schools and then the Southern California schools. But, you know, it's huge, it's greatly important to take care of business at home. Whether, say, if you win all your home games and split your road games, you'll win the conference. And this year, more than any other, that's probably the case. Mm-hmm. But the way they beat Colorado and the way they beat Utah, very different. You know, Utah, they hung on at the end. They kind of pulled away and were able to make it work. Colorado, they were up most of the way and then hung on. Stanford was as close as it gets, and there were times in the second half of that game where it looked like they were going to fall apart, and yet, through all the foul trouble, and don't even get me started on the refereeing in that game. Right. It was so ungodly bad, it seemed like. I think the TV guys, they say, I think McClain, he's like, there was one time where, you know, uh, Chase Jeter went in for a layup and got bumped, no foul. Then they called a touch foul. And the other guy's like, if you're going to call it on Jeter here, you have to give it to him on the other end. Like, what are you right. doing? But Arizona toughed it out and won that road game. And obviously, Cal is awful, and Arizona made them look awful. Like, it was definitely, I think, an encouraging last two weeks because mm-hmm. I don't know if Arizona's a great team, but they not only took care of business at home. But they did more than that on their own. Like, think of ASU, for instance. They're two and two in conference right now. Yeah. You know, and they were a team going into conference play that people were saying that might be the class of the Pac 12. And it's only two weeks, it's only four games. But right now, Arizona is one of the few that has done everything that they've been asked to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's been a very interesting start. I mean, each of these, I mean, all all four of these games, they they were just. Completely different tempo, completely different feels, you know, yeah. and obviously different opponents right aside from that. But, you know, it, it was interesting because, you know, you're you, you, you leave this four game stretch four-no, Right. I mean, you, you didn't you you didn't break down really. I mean, enough fatally break down in any of these games. Right. Uh, Utah had Bearfield not fouled out. That could be a different story. Oh, yeah, but, absolutely. you know, a win's a win, so I mean I'm not gonna scoff at that. When well, so. they
1: fouled him out, when he had four fouls, you know, Miller had Brandon Williams to say, Hey, you go at him next time and he got the fifth foul. That's strategy.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's good and see and it's that type of stuff right especially at home like that's where sean miller is a good coach right and if you're at home sean miller's your coach and the defense is playing the way they are i really like our chances to, to i mean I, I can't see us losing at home especially now with oregon uh oregon bull bull is out for the season right not not that he would have been ready for this game anyway but that you know, was up in the air who knows you know what his status was not now sure we know he's, he's
1: out play this week it's kenny kind of wooten's
0: out right maybe, i mean it, maybe yeah Yeah. So we'll see there. I mean, but, um, you know, this to me seems probably like the toughest. I mean, obviously, ASU like that's never easy. Right. Um, But and that's at the end of the year. But I mean, as far as I'm concerned, like, you know, you look at these, I mean, Washington, Washington is probably the school that's going to give us the hardest time. Like that is a very, uh, very interesting team that they have. And they'll build and they've obviously built off of off of what they've done last year. But um, I guess, you know, kind of getting back and staying on point here, th- these were four very different games, and they they held serve. I mean, they, they did a great job in all four of these games. Uh, you know, Stanford was interesting, too. And, and you know what? It's, it's kind of a bummer that Stanford had such a bad non-conference route of the whole thing because I actually really like Stanford. I mean, I think they are extremely talented, but the only way that they're going to get in the postseason, or the big dance anyway, is if they – if they, you know, get the at-large bid, right? Like I don't... Or win or, the conference me. tournament, yeah. yeah. Yeah, excuse me, w- win the conference tournament. They've already got eight losses. That, I think, disqualifies you from an at-large bid e- exa- if you're exa- a yes, yeah. school. E- exactly, yes, I misspoke. Thank you, Yeah. yeah. It, it, like an at-large bid is off the table, right? So they have to win the conference tournament. But, um, you know, they, they'll come back to Tucson. We will see them again, which is kind of exciting. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's it's a very interesting feel of this team. And you know what? A couple of things we talked about last time we recorded at them was... You know, specifically, you know, Chase Jeter feels good, right? All of that's coming together nicely, and he's progressing just as we'd hoped he would yeah. up to this point, right? I mean, um, he is, and I'll have an interesting question for you here in sick about him, but as far as, you know, Brandon Williams, he's becoming uh, much more efficient from the field. Mm-hmm. You know, like we talked about his shooting percentage is just really bad you know those through non-conference and that was going to have to change like that is just not sustainable if we want to be successful in conference play against you know more talented teams and and he is he has really fine-tuned his efficiency. I feel like over these last four games, which is fantastic. Um, you know, he, he was five of seven against Cal, right? In thirty-one minutes, he was four of seven against Stanford. You know, uh, he hit only two of three uh, against Utah. But you know, that was uh, you know he he six of eight the, from the free throw line. Six was, of eight. Yeah. He was strategic. He was attacking. I mean, yeah, there was a lot more to that than just two of three, right? Yeah, he shot f- eight free throw uh, attempts. So, uh, and then Colorado. Colorado, he was six of seventeen. That's kind of the old mold, but is, if you can tell anything, it seems like there's a bit of a trend here, right? He also like, six you know, assists in that game, so six assists. Yes, yeah. I mean you know fourteen and six. That's a great line for him. Uh, you know, Brandon Williams, that's coming together nicely. Justin Coleman. It looks like maybe he dodged a serious injury with that separated shoulder. He looks fine. You know, there was another little scare there. I think it was against Utah where he he, he hit the floor pretty hard and maybe re-aggravated, whatever. Uh, you know, Brandon Brandon Williams, nice Brandon Randolph. You know kind of uh, he is what go he off. is yeah he, he, he can go he can give you 30 points i feel like really in any given night and you need that type of wild card honestly if you're going to be serious about making any sort of run but let's circle back to chase jeter here right chase jeter i mean is it fair to say now with without bull bull for the rest of the season is chase jeter the premier big man in the conference Ooh, that's a good question
1: uh, he might be the most consistent yeah like if that yeah. makes sense. I mean the way he played, I remember the last time we recorded, I, you know, so he's not Batman, he's not Robin, he's Alfred. He can't be your go to guy and for stretches over the last, you know, four games he looked every bit the go to player for them. So yeah, nice. I mean if you wanna make that claim, especially without Bull Bull being around, I'm not gonna argue with you. Mm-hmm. But I do want to see him against some of the better bigs, although there aren't a lot of really good bigs left on the schedule. But no, he's even if he's the best or the second best or the third best, he's been everything I think Arizona needed and more. Yes, you know I think a lot of us weren't sure what to expect when it comes to transfers, and we knew he was a five star guy went to Duke, but he didn't do anything at Duke. You know, he sat the year here, and all of a sudden he comes out and he's a starting center. On a team that has really no other low post presence and doesn't have lockdown three point shooting to open things up for him, and he's so fundamentally sound. He's got good footwork down low. I mean, yeah, Cal he had what twenty three and nine? Mm-hmm. 21 and thirteen against Utah, and ran. that was overtime. But you know he was in foul trouble against Stanford. Only played nineteen minutes, still had ten points and five rebounds. So yeah. this yeah, is a guy was- who has been very important for them and very, very good. Just you can count on him. And for a team that. You know, Brandon Randolph runs hot and cold. Brandon Williams is hot and cold. Justin Coleman, same thing. When you can have that guaranteed double-double-ish, you know, 12 points, eight rebounds probably, more likely going to be a little bit more points and a little bit more rebounds, but you get them from Chase Jeter, that's invaluable.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it, it's been, uh, I, I, I'm willing to make that claim. I mean, without bull bull and, you know, cause then, cause then you look at some of these other teams, you know, Utah is very talented, but they're, they're talented without like a true big guy. Would uh, Jalen Johnson, was that his name? Or I'm probably messing up his name, but you know, their big wasn't anything special. I felt and Chase Jeter, actually, he, he had a, obviously a great game against them, right? 21 yeah. and 13, you know, he, he did great against that. Um, you know, UCLA, uh, you know, I, I don't know, I guess, you know, we'll, we'll see, right? I mean, obviously, the, the, these next six games, right? These next six games are are going to be pretty pretty crucial, I think, to in terms of the make or break, right? How serious a, how serious of a team is this, right? Like, are, is, is it somebody that should be taken seriously on a national scale, right? Now, obviously, that's not some kind of barn burner, crazy, uh, you know, murderers row, right? You're still talking about the Pac-12, and it's still a down year, fine, but you know, these next six games are against you know the the, the six. Six best opponents that Arizona could face, right? Yeah, I mean, and consecutively, you it's USC, interesting. Benny Boat, right? You know,
1: I don't think he's, I mean, he's more of a forward than a center, but even then I think uh, Chase Drew's probably a forward on some other Arizona teams. Mm-hmm. You know, he's up there, different style of player, more of a score than a rebounder. But, you know, Jeter's certainly up there.
0: Yeah, he's up there, and it's going to be uh, – it's 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 so encouraging, though, just because there was so much uncertainty coming into the year. I mean, yeah. obviously it was well documented. The, the Duke experiment didn't work out came back closer to home, back over towards the West coast. And, uh, you know, he maybe just needed a clean, clean start. I mean, just, just a little refresh, you know, and sometimes that's all it takes. So, and it's very encouraging too, right? Like he can build up some momentum and still work with this team next year too, because next year's team obviously is going to be something to be very excited about, but I don't want to jump too far ahead, but it's nice to know like he'll still be with us next year too. So um, hopefully, right. I really hope that he doesn't do anything crazy and leave or transfer. You know what? I don't even know. Declare for the draft. Who who knows? I don't know. But anyway, he should, he should be with us next year too, which is great. So, um uh so let's let's encircle back to something that's going on in the bench too right i mean ira lee oh that guy you know i I, I still i uh i still maintain the position that he's he's playing the wrong sport i mean he we could just really use him on the football field but you know what god bless him he's sticking to it right and he's not going to make any changes uh he's played a lot better uh, over these last few games adam what have you seen from ira lee uh the, the early start to conference play here well, just, like, the energy is still there, but it's growth.
1: It's this mm-hmm. thing that you look, at, you look for from every single one of these guys, especially the sophomores, that you want to see that growth where you can see his athletic ability, and the effort has never waned for him. But it's like, could he control himself? Could he stay out of foul trouble? And I think the Stanford game, like, that game was unbelievable. He was in foul trouble the first half and then managed it. And he was huge for them down the stretch. He made some of the biggest shots. Like, the players were drawn up for him, and he finished. And he got to the free throw line, and he made his free throws. Like, this is a guy who... You know, he's not the player you rely on, mm-hmm. but absolutely the way he's been playing off the bench, and he's a center, he's a forward, he's an athletic big type of player that Arizona is short on this year, so if he can just keep doing what he's been doing or even progress a little bit more, then all of a sudden Arizona's chances look a lot better for the rest of the season, so I don't think there's anything in particular other than he's controlling himself. He's not fouling every two minutes, and he's not turning the ball over a lot. He's just playing within his means and making a couple of shots, the little jumpers, the layups. He's getting good looks, but you know he rebounds the basketball. He does play decent defense. He just fouls a lot. So if he cuts down the fouls, which he has, he's a pretty useful player.
0: He is, he is playing a lot smarter, and, and you can tell that leash is getting longer, too. I mean, obviously, right? Like, if you're not a liability and you're not you're not advancing the team into the, a one-on-one situation or even a double bonus, right? Like, if you're not helping, you know, hurting us, helping them, you know, like, obviously, Miller has no other choice. But to keep on there, because there are times where Ryan Luther is, you know, I, up and down, too. I mean, sometimes Ryan Luther, in a similar sense, not, not necessarily in terms of the turnovers and personal fouls, but, you know, Ryan Luther is kind of like, a Oh yeah, Ryan Luther was on the court, like he didn't do any. like he didn't stand out at all. Very you know, quiet was, like, sometimes, yeah. Very, very quiet. and so it's kind of nice to have that little bit of balance, you know it's kind of exactly you know, what we said last time, you know if we can get like a 15 combined like 15 points, eight rebounds out of the two of those guys, like I, I'm very or from comfortable the power with that.
1: forward position, right? You know you're going to get your 12, 13, 14 and eight, nine, 10 out of Chase Jeter, can mm-hmm. you get 15 points another eight rebounds from the power forward spot? And that was Akot, Luther and Ira Lee. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're getting that, then your front court is doing its job because most of your production should be coming from the wings on this team. So, yeah, I mean, it's whether it's Lee one night, Luther the next or a combination of both like that position over the last few games has been pretty solid.
0: It's been good. It's been really good. and And honestly, I never thought I would say this, especially this year. you know, obviously, I really has the talent. You can see what that ceiling could be, but it seemed like, you know who who knows when we were going to see it. But he's the reason Arizona escaped uh, Stanford with, with the W now his, his, 12 points four rebounds. I mean, he only played 17 minutes. Uh, but th- th- it was a crucial 12 points that he kicked in there yeah. and that he's the reason that, uh, they, they escaped and remained perfect in conference play yeah. there. So, uh, he had, had a good showing against Cal too. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, he played the 15 minutes and it was pretty much, I mean, it was a blowout, right? I mean, Arizona just absolutely controlled that game, but uh, seven but, you know, rebounds, five blocks, five blocks. <laughs> I mean, that's still, I mean, trash, that's, but. Still. Yeah, still impressive to get five blocks. I mean, that, that's uh, some serious business. So, You're seeing uh, skill there. Like, and it's probably a big, He's probably a
1: bigger reason why ACOT's transferring, or why Acott quit the team mm-hmm. now, because I really <laughs> he deserves more minutes. And you hope that this last stretch isn't a fluke for him, and I don't think it is. It's a young player who maybe took a step forward. But yeah. like his ceiling now looks a lot higher than what we've seen from some of the other guys. Like if 12 points, four rebounds on five of eight shooting against Stanford, an increased role if it's seven rebounds and five blocks off the bench against cal if that's what you can get from Ira lee that's fantastic
0: yeah no sign me up for that any day of the week he accepts his
1: role off the bench clearly Mm -hmm, you know he just mm -hmm. comes in plays hard when he's on the floor and you you know sean miller if, if you play hard if you try on defense and you play decent defense then you'll find minutes and Ira lee has been a perfect sean miller player of late
0: That will definitely be rewarded. Uh, Moving on to Ryan Luther, you know, Ryan Luther, he's kind of the ups and downs, right? So in in conference play against Colorado, played 20 minutes, uh, recorded three points, two, two rebounds, two assists, Utah, the overtime game, 18 minutes there, uh, eight points, really kind of quiet, you know, but I mean, it was still a big eight points, obviously, when you're talking about a one possession game to take that any time. In the Stanford game, you know, he's another big reason that, that, that Arizona left there with the win. I mean, he had a very good game in that one, 10 points, three rebounds, three assists. Um, he, he's just a really smart Player, you know what I mean, and that's what you expect out of a five-year guy, out of your fifth-year senior. That's one hundred percent what he's living up to. Cal, kind of a quiet game. I don't really care. I only had eleven yeah. minutes there, but he, we didn't really need him there, right? Like, like again, they were in such control that I'm not looking too much into that. But you know, in, in the big moments of the last few games, um, you know, he has, he has, he has. He has Put up a nice stat line. I mean, I don't think there's – It's of course you want more, right? You know, like because we've seen the flashes uh, where, you know, he can shoot lights out. You know, he can be a dominating force down low. Um, but I don't – I don't know. It's kind of like he operates on this on-off switch, and it's really hard to predict, you know, which Ryan Luther you're going to get. So yeah. but see that could uh, like see that be turned around.
1: Well, it's apparently as his injury is healed too. I mean, the three-point shots come around. He's not the go-to player. He's not the guy who's going to take 12 to 15 shots a game. At least you mm-hmm. hope not. No. But you know, no, three-point shooting, one of three against Stanford, but two of two against Utah, one of two against Colorado, two of two against UC Davis, one of three of them against Montana before that. Like, it seems like he's getting healthier there and maybe a little more confident. And I know Sean Miller's talked about that, and you kind of wish a fifth year senior doesn't need to work on his confidence. Okay. But at the same time, if you're Ryan Luther, you came here with expectations and you were struggling for whatever reason. It's easy to see why he might just kind of fade into the background because he doesn't seem like an aggressive player, mm-hmm. at least not in a selfish kind of way. I mean, he seems like yeah okay. Someone else can shoot this ball. I'm not. I'm not shooting the ball well. You take the shot. Which, like that works sometimes. But they're also like no. They need him. You know if he's making shots. If he's helping to stretch the floor, let's spread the floor. That opens things up because he's not Lowry Marketing, obviously. <laughs> but if you have a six ten guy, a big who can do that six nine six ten guy who can do that and open things up down low for your drivers for your wings who like to take the ball to the hole or for chase jeter then yeah and i think luther he's a different type of forward than we're used to seeing at arizona still i like think he's mm-hmm. not even brandon ashley i know ashley wasn't the best down low guy but he's still a little bit more work down low but he's not as good as Markinen from the outside but he's kind of like a i guess exceptionally poor man's larry Markinen. Yeah. i would think like yeah. I even hate to put him in the same category, but you know that style of big, obviously not as good at it, but someone who, yeah, if he's hitting a couple three-pointers, that changes the entire dynamic for this offense. And I guess now he goes back into the starting lineup, whether that would have happened soon anyway, I guess we'll never know. But mm-hmm. he goes back to the starting lineup, and we'll see if he can continue this because – he was starting to play pretty well off the bench. Now he's back in a role that he's kind of familiar with. And if he is if he is this guy now, the guy who scored 10 points against Stanford, the one who scored eight against Utah, if he's that type of player from here on out, then again, like everything we've been saying, and I know where I was two weeks ago where I am right now, this was the
0: way for Arizona to be good was these things to happen. And through the four games, they've been mostly happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been looking good moving down the line. Then Adam, let's go ahead and jump into Dylan Smith. So I, I have not, I can't remember. I mean, I guess Ira Lee, right at times last year in terms of frustrating, like the most frustrating player I can think of. Um, but I, I, you know, even before, I don't know who stands out, but Dylan Smith is just so frustrating to watch sometimes, (laughs) you know, like, um, because he's, he's so smart defensively. Like you can tell, you know, he is a very good defender. Like there's no two ways about that. Um, but as far as his offensive game goes, you know, the, the term irrational confidence, I think can never, (laughs) never ring so true. Like I've I've never seen a guy who, you know, who, who, who doesn't like call for an ISO, but it turns into a little bit of an isolation ball with him and he starts driving to the rim and he dribbles it off his shoe. Right. And then, and then, and then the next, the very next possession where you think like, all right, man, like let's spread the ball around, you know, he attacks the rim again. And then this time he, he, he successfully dribbles to the rim and then he lays it up, but then he he realizes that he overshot the landing and he's, he's right under the rim. And so when he shoots it, it hits off the bottom of the rim. I mean, it's like, you know, but then, but then he pulls through in big, in big three point situations. And he is a good three and D guy. So, I mean, I think it's just one of those things where you have to live and die by it at times, you know, but man, is he frustrating?
1: Yeah. And I, but I think what's also impressive about him is remember him last year and he was just awful. He wasn't a really good defender. The shot was on maybe five or six times all season. And this season, he's worked himself into being a defensive player. And I think that no wonder Sean Miller's a big fan of this guy, of this kid, because he did put in the effort and to be one of the best defenders on this team. I don't think anyone has said at the beginning of the season, who's going to be the shutdown wing defender? That's going to be Dylan Smith. And I don't know if he's quite shut down, but yeah, he's definitely good for... A one or two of those stupid turnovers every single game. It's yeah. like, man, why'd you do that? It's, you you ever <laughs> wonder, like, he does it? He, just, he thinks to himself, come on, Dylan, really? Yeah, Again? Right. You know, like, he knows it's a dumb turnover. <laughs> and oftentimes it's from trying to do too much, mm-hmm. you know, and there is that irrational confidence where he always, like, everything's a heat check for him, probably. But yeah. there are games, like, against Utah, he made four shots, three or three from three. Mm-hmm. You know, when he's on, he's exceptionally helpful. Because Mm -hmm. he is that perfect 3 and D guy. Someone who can be an offensive player. I mean, he's scored double digits a few times this season. Yeah, But yeah, when he's off, the nice thing is he can go 1 of 6 like he did against Cal and still make an impact. Go 1 of 3 like he did against Stanford and still make an impact. Shoot, he was 2 of 9 against Colorado and played 29 minutes because he was playing good defense. (laughs) So it's like you don't need Dylan Smith to score to be successful. If he does, it's a bonus. It's gravy. But as long as he's playing defense, he absolutely deserves the minutes he's been getting because this team has been mostly winning with its defense led by that guy. What do you make of Alex Barcelo? I, I like him. Like he, He's another guy I like. I think he looks the part when he's on the floor. And then you watch him play. He's looked, I think, a little better lately, but it's such limited minutes, too, where it's hard to really say he's turned that corner. Right. But yeah. he didn't make three shots against Cal, made one against Colorado. I mean, it's. He hasn't been bad in his very limited role.
0: Very limited. Very you know, limited. If
1: one of the guards got hurt, if Justin Coleman was significantly injured or Brandon Williams had to miss time and Barcelo's minutes went up, I'd be curious to see what he would do. Mm-hmm. But it's just hard to judge that he didn't play at all against Stanford, didn't play against Utah, and that game went into overtime. So it's tough, it's tough to believe that there's this great confidence that he should be warranting, that he warrants minutes. like, do Trevis is starting to get more run. Right. So he kinda leapt over yeah. Barcelo as someone who similar says, You deserve to play, you need to play for us. But Barcelo also looks like a guy that whenever he's called upon he gets into the game and he does play hard. You know, whether mm-hmm. he makes a shot or two, whether he makes some nice passes or turns the ball over, that's kinda hit or miss. But he does look like he plays hard, so I can appreciate that.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that that's fair. Uh, and and you you touched on Devin Air there. I think the last guy I kind of want to focus on here, as far as the bench is concerned. Uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, it's still kind of hard to figure out exactly what that utilization rate is here for him, or you know which situations warrant it. Uh, I the the best that I can articulate is uh, is if. If there's a little bit of foul trouble and there's just stagnant offense, he could be a little bit of a spark. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, I've seen some pretty athletic plays from him. Like, and it's kind of, I didn't expect it right. Like uh, he, he's he got some hops that I definitely didn't expect, uh, but he, he's actually a very good rebounder too, which is nothing that I expected looking at him, you know, coming into Arizona.
1: Yeah. He's the guy that you sit there and go, man, him as a junior. As a senior, yeah. what kind of player would he be? And who knows if he makes it that far. Mm-hmm. But I, I think his role is more he's going to get some early run. I mean, he's played, what, one, two, three, four, five, the last six games. He's yeah. got some minutes. Granted, he played only four against UC Davis, but 12 against Cal. It was a blout, 12 against Colorado. Arizona was up for much of that game. But he's a guy I think turns to, and maybe he gives him something off the bench. And if they're struggling in other areas and he's playing well, then he'll play longer, he'll play more. But he's one of those guys, again, where they're not relying on him to be the main contributor the main mm-hmm. score. But if he can chip in five points off the bench, a few rebounds, some hustle play, some energy, he definitely brings that right now. He's still a freshman. He's still a very raw, talented player. Very raw, yeah. But I think you're starting to see that Miller trusts him, at least feels like he deserves a few minutes here and there just to see what he has that night. How does he fit into that game? And yeah, absolutely, if there's foul trouble, you'll see him more. And you might see him more now because mm-hmm. they just lost you know, 20 minutes of game time from Emmanuel Acott leaving the team. Yeah. So they're not all going to go to Luther and Lee, who are getting more minutes. So maybe Dutrieff gets a few more here. And then maybe it's Dylan Smith. They're going to have to divvy that up. But I think Dutrieff, is not an in-case-emergency-break-glass type of player because he is starting to play a little bit more. But he's certainly a guy that he's exciting to watch when he's on the floor. It's almost like I think every Wildcats fan watches him on the floor and goes, OK, what are you going to do, Dutrieff? Because everyone wanted him to play so badly. And yeah. you're going to see times where he doesn't look that great. He is a freshman. He is raw. But when he's on and the plays he does make wow, is it impressive and really makes you excited to see what he'll be as he progresses as a collegiate
0: player. I really hope he doesn't transfer. I, I, no, I don't like think he's, he's going to transfer. No, I, Dude, I can't I really see hope that. Like,
1: yeah. I just mean like if he plays, I mean, granted, the next year's recruiting class, we'll see what it is. And I guess anyone could transfer. But sure. this was the first guy to commit to Sean Miller of this group. And I think, I don't know if that means something or if he's going say, oh, you're just bringing in all these other guys. But if Dutrieve's goal isn't to make the NBA after his sophomore season, then I could see no reason why he would want to transfer after this year. Yeah, you know, because obviously I'll play more next year and the year after that, probably. So, you know, he looks like the type of guy that, yeah, he's exciting to watch right now because you don't know what's going to happen. But a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, he looks like the type of player who's going to be really, really good.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you 100 percent there. And that's why I really he, he's an asset. Right. And there's uh, there's some really high upside and you can see that. All right, Adam. So uh, the Oregon school is coming up uh, this. So Thursday, right, uh, January 17th, uh, recording this the eve of that game on the 16th. Uh, by the time you guys listen to this, it will be game day. Uh, and then Oregon State on Saturday, you know, Oregon, I you know, especially if Kenny Wooten doesn't play, not overly concerned about that. I mean, obviously they shouldn't be overlooked. And I like that it's on ESPN. So we'll be getting some national exposure there. Um, but it I mean, always goes well. Yeah, well, yeah, especially when we go play right. Oregon, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, so I, it, hopefully it's not overlooked, right? I mean, this is still, you know, Dan Oldman's still a good coach. There's still some talent there on and that roster. they but... in
1: McHale Center. They've won yeah. one the last three years down there?
0: Yeah, they, uh, so what they, they, well, actually, they went last
1: they, year, but I think the two years, the
0: year, the two the year before, they won. They ended the home winning streak, didn't they? Yeah, that was uh, where Miller and Tarzewski
1: kind of went at it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was, that wasn't good, but uh, yeah. So obviously yeah, they're, they're, they, they've proven they can win in there. Dan Olman's not scared to bring his guys down there and win. Uh, you know, I, I guess, Oregon state to me is the one and Oregon state actually really, really worries me. Um, You know, the Wayne Tinkle zone defense, that is always a headache. Now it's not even the stamp of Wayne tinkle that, that makes it a headache. Um, But, you know, just the zone in general, but for whatever reason, we really struggle against that Oregon state zone defense. It just seems to be a different thing, different beast. And, you know, this year, it seems like Oregon state, They 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 got a little bit more uh, firepower, I think, as far as the offense is concerned. They're they're off to a very good start eleven and four, three and zero. So you know tomorrow night they'll obviously be playing uh, the first up at ASU, right? So hopefully, always fingers crossed. Anybody that plays ASU, I hope they beat ASU. But you know in this case, it seems pretty seems pretty clear that you know Oregon State can definitely they they shouldn't be taken lightly uh, in Tempe for ASU. Uh, You know of of the two games, Adam, which one concerns you more? Both. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't ever count there. out Oregon
1: yeah. that's a team that's always given Arizona some trouble Dane Altman is a good coach and whether Rootin plays or not you know that's still a tough game but Oregon State's a surprising one like when you said of the two games that worries me of the two games one that worries me is Oregon State who has seen that coming when right. this season started but the good news is I think over you know in the Bay Area Sean Miller learned how to coach against his own right didn't we see how that worked out he didn't know how to do it before that trip and he figured it out but <laughs> nah, I mean these are both tough games it's a tough homestand it's Arizona should beat both of them, but they each offer different challenges. I mean, Oregon may be more in name and stature than what's going to be on the floor Thursday, but there's still a team that might be able to say, hey, we're, everyone's counting us out. We can go into McHale and beat the undefeated, you know, conference-wise Arizona Wildcats, knock them off, in McHale, it's still a huge win. And obviously Oregon State with that zone defense, and Tress Tinkley, I feel like he's been there forever now.
0: He has. I don't know. He has to be a senior. think oh, is yeah, insane. I mean,
1: it's, yeah. But, like, I feel like he's, like, I don't know. He's just one of those guys that's been there for so long, it seems like. And I guess, yeah, he's a senior now. And just no, a fourth year senior. Good. So <laughs> I, it's nothing. Or No, he's listed as a junior. What? You're kidding. ESPN, you're killing me right now. I don't I don't know, unless there was a redshirt year in there or something. But regardless, I think there's a there.
0: rule, like Coach's son, they, they <laughs> yeah. kind of had a couple of years or something. I think that's what happens. That's <laughs> why like Bryce Alford played at UCLA for like nine years. Seriously. Yeah. But
1: no, I mean, the, the Oregon State's a good team. And obviously they, they're playing their system, running their system very well. And they're winning games finally. And you have to believe that because of so much confidence that they could go into McHale where they have played the Wildcats tough at times and have a good chance. Like they have some size. Like Trey Tinkle's a good player yeah you know he's been playing basketball for 35 years so he should be pretty good <laughs> yeah, you know right. steven thompson you know like even times like they have good players a good yeah. balanced attack so no it's not going to be neither one of these games i think is going to be particularly easy but it's also still kind of like if arizona's the team we saw in the bay area if, they, if that and that's a team that played in maui and if they're that team now then i think arizona wins both of these games yeah, because that Arizona team, and then we've seen the last four games is pretty good. Like that's yeah. a good team that should win these games at home. But obviously, the Wildcats don't have the margin for error to where they can play less of that and beat good teams even at home.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you said there, and, and I think that honestly, the nod uh, in this one. Uh, goes to just being the home team, right? I mean, and, and you, 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 I, I feel really good about the, everything's coming together nicely, obviously omitting the whole Emmanuel Aycott thing. I mean, that, that uh, so, again remains to be seen. I don't want to circle back to that. But, you know, uh, that aside, I mean, everything as far as the offense is concerned, I mean, things are really starting to gel there. Chase Year is really finding himself. Uh, you know, Ira Lee, Ryan Luther, you know, they, they're reestablishing themselves uh, as his key pieces off the bench. Who knows, you know, who's going to fill back in, in the starting role now, but, uh, no, they, they, have really found themselves. In, and I think that you just have to be comfortable with the fact that, that, that it's at home, right? S- students are back in students are back schools, back in session. Uh, that place should be rocking. These will be two very, uh, pretty high profile games as far as the conference is concerned. But I think, uh, if, if I have to pick between the two Oregon States, the one that really concerns me, uh, I think what's good about the Oregon state situation is that from an offensive perspective? Uh, they really only have three key guys, right? And that's Tinkle Thompson and Thompson, right? Uh, if, like if a we'll, law firm, sir, yeah, it does. Yeah, <laughs> we will protect you, yeah. Tinkle they, Thompson uh, and Thompson <laughs> will they, fight uh, for you. <laughs> they, I feel, I feel good about the idea of you know attacking one of them and hopefully hopefully getting them drawn some, drawn some early fouls, getting somebody in foul trouble. If that's the case. Uh, I, I I feel pretty, pretty, pretty good. If these guys aren't in foul trouble and they play the 35, 36, 34 minutes that they average throughout, you know, this up to this point in the season, uh, I'm, I'm going to be a little concerned, especially again with that zone, But, We'll see how it goes, right? I mean, who would? I can't believe you are sitting here talking about Oregon State as you know, like one of the better better teams in the conference, and uh, they'll, they'll definitely have their opportunity to prove that on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Like every game for Arizona right now
1: is that chance to continue proving themselves, and you know that's I, I worry about every game right now, especially mm-hmm. the home games because like you can't lose those. So right. that's so that's why you say like, oh, you know, at home it should be easier, and it should be. And if these games were in Oregon, I'd feel a lot worse about them. Granted but these are games that Arizona has to win if they're going to win this conference. And to me, like there's a lot of goodwill that's been built up over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And i splitting this weekend. Wouldn't that wouldn't erase it all. Especially if it's just, you know, the game they lose is a close game where they play well and just something happens or whatever. But, you know, these are games that if you're trying to legitimize yourself, especially in the PAC 12, this season, you have to win. and, you know, Oregon State's probably pretty decent, which means it would be a good win. Oregon, we'll see what happens with them as their season kind of, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. goes down the drain. So it may not mm-hmm. be a great win; would probably be a crushing loss. Yeah. But you know, looking at ESPN, their matchup predictor has Arizona seventy six percent, seventy seven if you want to round up. So Arizona's supposed to win this game on Saturday, especially. I agree with but that. yeah, but no, it's not the gimme that I think a lot of them have been. And maybe that says more about Arizona than it does Oregon State because while this is a little bit better for an Oregon State team than we're used to, I think Mm -hmm. this is a significantly less good Arizona team than we're accustomed. But at -hmm. the same time, Arizona for the last couple of weeks at least has started to look like a good team where things have been coming together the way that they needed to if they were going to progress and be the team that we all kind of hoped they would be even if we didn't expect it to be. So, yeah, I'm excited for this weekend for that reason because it's another chance for Arizona to kind of show that, hey, maybe they are for real as a pretty good basketball team this season
0: yeah totally adam uh last question here and this is bigger picture right and just for the regular season uh what is your what 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 is your adjusted forecast now for the rest of the season? Now, obviously this 4-0 start is not that unthinkable. I mean given just you know it was Colorado, Stanford, uh, excuse me, Colorado, Utah at home, then going up to the Barry schools to take care of Stanford. Cal's having a very bad year once again. Um, but so the 4-0 start I don't think is too staggering. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, I, I still it's kind of crazy to say like they there's they're sitting at 4-0 to start the conference play. Um, what is your adjusted forecast uh, on on the conference? Record from here on out. Then, Oh,
1: it's so tough to say right now, just because I'm still not quite sold on who Arizona is. Mm-hmm. But I could see. I mean, right now, maybe three losses. <clears throat> you know, maybe maybe four. I mean, if you're if if this is the team that we we've seen the last couple of weeks, and the team that, again was in Maui, then you know, you, then you win both games this weekend. You probably win the two games in L.A. the following weekend, right? I mean, I guess maybe you split that. You split against ASU, then you beat Washington because you're at home. Hopefully, and then yeah. And maybe you lose to Oregon State or Oregon on the road.
0: At uh, Utah. I, I don't, I, yeah, yeah,
1: I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, maybe four. If you if you set the over-under at three and a half, you know, I don't know where I'd go. I guess I'd probably, right now I'm feeling good. I'd take the under, but you would you could easily convince me on the over. But the sad thing is, like, if they lose four games in the pectal and that's it, they might still win the conference and not come anywhere near to making the tournament based on just that. They wouldn't get an at-large bid because of that.
0: You think, huh? So if they're sitting, so let's see. So that would put them. That means they had to. They went fourteen and four, right? So they won. So they went ten and four in the remaining fourteen games. So that so would put 23 them twenty three and eight. Twenty-three and eight before getting to the conference tournament. And maybe so let's, win two games there. So we'll say twenty-five and nine. You don't think that's good for an at large?
1: No, we'll see what the rest of the Pac-12 does. Yeah, to, if it's, it's fair. so bad, and and that's the problem. Like you're going to get your guaranteed one bid, and we have to see what happens to the rest of the country too. Obviously, there have to be enough teams that warrant it. Yeah. But I just have no confidence that the Pac-12 gets an at large bid based on the fact of how bad the Pac-12 is. Now, maybe Washington plays really well. Like maybe yeah. two teams basically are. Neck and neck, one and two, just running roughshod over the conference, and the committee say, you know what, they're clearly good enough. You know, the conference may have been bad, but these are the two best teams from there. They're good basketball teams. We'll get them in, but as of right now, you know, do I buy Oregon State long term? I don't. Do Mm -hmm. I trust Washington long term? I can't say I do, and I can't even say I trust Arizona long term in this conference the way it's looked. But you know, between those three teams, ASU, UCLA, even USC, if they get Porter back, like. I don't know which of these teams I trust, but it certainly seems like at least half the conference that already has either six or eight losses has probably already eliminated themselves from an at-large bid.
0: Yeah, right. You know, And Arizona's
1: already at four themselves, so it's not like they have a lot of room for error. Like Someone's going to make it from the Pac-12. I'm just not sure what the at-large bid situation looks like based on just how bad the Pac-12 has looked.
0: I'm with you. I don't it's know. It's weird to
1: think that, though. It is.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you in that I don't know who's uh, who's good, you know who's not. Uh, I, I I think that we can say that you know ASU, if if there's anything right, ASU is basically who they were last year again. Right? I mean, I'm sorry, like that sorry Kansas win that was way. so good, and once again, I mean, you guys they they just. I and mean, you Utah's a good team. I do think Utah's a good team. That, that That's something to keep an eye on. But, I mean, they're sitting at 8 at 8. So, I mean, unless they run the table from here, I don't see how they can get that large bid, which obviously I think it's very unlikely for them to run the table. But, uh, yeah, you know, ASU, I just – they can't seem to get out of their own way. But um, it makes me happy. That makes me happy. <laughs> that, that's always one thing to hang your hat on. You know, if if you're, you get down about yourself in our situation, uh, if, uh, you know – Hey, we can move. say, say over the next six games we go three and three right and we're sitting at seven and three in conference and you know 16 and seven it's not looking too great uh you know it's if asu if asu chokes along the way too that that's always a little pick me up that i look forward to oh so yeah i mean hopefully if they, they hopefully they deliver
1: if they fall apart and of the tournament after an non conference championship banner again then <laughs> yeah. you know you could feel pretty good about that but at the same time we still got to see what arizona does because yeah four and oh is nice but six and O is better, a and O is better, and you start to see that hey, Arizona is Arizona again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, so if you could couple ASU collapse with Arizona being good, that that would feel great. Especially if there's an ASU sweep once again.
0: That would be very sweet. I I would enjoy that. That'd be good. Uh, and then so yeah, so that that first the, the first leg of those two games uh, at ASU, January thirty first. Are you going to go to that game, Adam? Don't have my tickets yet, but I plan to. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Well, we'll obviously record plenty before that. So, uh, you know, once again, Oregon, uh, is first up for the weekend games on Thursday. By the time you listen to that, it will be today at uh, 7 PM local time, Arizona, uh, down in Tucson on ESPN. And then on Saturday, uh, 5 PM local time pac 12 network. Uh, all right, everyone enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the games and until next week, bear down.